What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of She, Her, They with Kittens. I'm obviously your host, Kittens, and if you're new here, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. This is a great time to start. If you've been around for a minute, then shout out to you because it's officially been one month since our first episode premiered, and I'm just excited. So, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate it a little bit, at least on the inside. So this week, I have Donna Missile on, who is not only one of the most refreshing artists I've heard in a long time sonically, but her story and energy are just as refreshing. So I actually met Donna at a show we were both performing at years ago and heard her voice before I saw her. Like literally, I was just backstage, heard this person singing so powerfully and was just like, what, who is that? And had to run out just to like see what was going on. I hadn't heard of her before that and was just absolutely blown away. In this episode, we talk about the evolution of language and how the expansion of terminology has helped people explain and explore their identities better, how homeschooling as a child in an open, supportive family gave her the freedom to explore her identity without any social pressures, and cats, because honestly, why would I pass up on a chance to talk to somebody who actually likes them or has one? Let's get into it. Just a reminder that since language around identity is very nuanced and ever-evolving, some terms here may become outdated. This is meant to be a safe and inclusive space, so I'm going to do my best to constantly learn and stay on top of changes. Hi. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. It's good to see you in person. I know. I I feel like I'm, I don't think I've seen you since I met you. No, I would. I literally think we haven't seen each other since. <laughs> Something wrong with that. <laughs> it's not good. It's also though such a product of like, I don't know, because I feel like I've I I know what you're up to. I like keep up with you, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I I definitely know you better than when we met. Yeah, but just know in person. Maybe we were preparing for this. This this was the moment. Yeah, exactly. Do you still have that cat? You had a really cute cat. Oh, hell yeah. We actually, we have four cats in this house right now. Oh my God, the dream. Okay, so we, I had my cat when I moved in. Mm-hmm. His name is Frank, the really fluffy one you're talking okay. about. Okay. Had him when we moved in. And then, um, okay, so we're, we're moving in, right? We're in the process of moving in. We moved in over like the course of a couple of weeks. So we're moving my sister out of her apartment. Yeah. To this house and it's the last day that we're there but all the doors open and we're airing the apartment out we're all sitting in um her empty room that we had just moved all the furniture out of and we say like oh, i wonder if frank is gonna be like lonely maybe we should get him like a friend maybe we should get a kitten and we hear i thought i shit you not like this is i'm not bullshitting you we hear a kitten meow oh my god we're like what? And we just all peek our head around the corner down the hallway and a kitten had run in to my sister's apartment right oh, in that moment. We've been taking care of him ever since. His name is Chicken. Yeah, Chicken. Um, and then uh, my sister, my other sister's boyfriend for Valentine's Day got her a kitten. So that was our third cat. And then recently my, my sister's girlfriend lives in Hollywood. So they were staying over there. And they were, um, they were coming on their way, like back over here to Pasadena and they found a kitten in a box in Hollywood and brought it home. Oh my we God. Had, 
every intention of finding it a home, but this kitten is like fucking the cutest kitten. It's not going to happen. So yeah, we've got, we have four cats here. Wow. That's incredible. It's aggressive. Yeah. I, I have three and I'm like, I've overextended myself with the third. I'm glad I have them, but like three is a lot. So I can only imagine four shout out to your cat army. With all of their personalities and they're all just like yelling all the time. And it's the sweetest thing when you see them hanging out. I'm sure your cats like have really sweet relationships with each other. Yeah. That's a huge spark joy. Yeah. Like when they're in a giant cuddle puddle together, I just lose it. I'm like, I want to just slam you all. My camera roll is just my kittens. Yep. Cuddling each other. Well, let's jump into the... A fun little questioning portion here, I guess. Um, before we do that, will you introduce yourself real quick and also how you identify pronouns, um, sexuality, whatever? Sure. Yeah, of course. I'm Donna Missile. I'm a musician, a recording artist. I um, have always just identified on the queer spectrum and never really set a boundary for myself as to what that is. I've been publicized as being bisexual. Um, I would probably personally categorize myself if I had to as pansexual. And um, yeah, uh, my pronouns are she, her. Fab. We love that. (laughs) It's so interesting. I feel like I don't know anyone who identifies as bisexual anymore. It's like not really, I don't want to be reductive and say that it's not a thing. It's absolutely a thing. Totally. But I feel like um, we've moved more towards like, a, like pansexual just kind of resonates with so many more people who used to identify as bisexual. It's really interesting how there's been that shift. I think it's the the language that we're being provided. You know, I think that mm-hmm. there's, um, there's sometimes like a catch 22 to the language uh, involved in like identifying yourself and the, the language of the queer community can be this like great way to um, educate people who are not queer or which by the way, I'd probably argue that literally everyone is queer. Um, (laughs) But I think also the language can feel, um, reductive or inaccurate Mm -hmm. I know that for me like whenever I see it published somewhere that you know like bisexual singer or you know Donna Missile bisexual like I get a little cringy about it because I have had relationships with non-binary people Mm -hmm. and so I know that that um my limitations are not man woman yeah you know so bisexuality I think is um because of this new term being available, this like pansexuality becoming more, I mean, the, the term has just become more present. You're yeah. hearing it more. We understand what that means and what that is. So it's actually been nice to see that there's more fluidity than um, there has been in the past with identifiers. But yeah, I I don't know many bisexual people I think probably for that reason yeah I think it's it's really like it's really beautiful that there's just this freedom to be like just to be human and like what you like and be who you are and I'm like I'm so curious to see how things go over the next few generations 
like, are people going to identify as anything anymore? Like, I feel like eventually we're just going to move away from terms and labels and all that stuff. I don't know. I think that would be so good for us. Yeah. Love to see that happen to not have to really, it almost feels like it becomes something to answer to. Mm -hmm. That's not what I believe sexuality is about Mm -hmm. any sexuality. So (laughs) I think it would be beautiful if there just wasn't any, um, any need for that. Yeah. I think we'll get there someday. We'll see though. So too. Um, do you feel like you felt a difference in your creative process after coming out at all? Or no, I never really had like a like a proper coming out. Even even just coming to terms with it yourself. Sure. You know, for literally as long as I remember experiencing sexuality, any kind of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um it's an included um, boys and girls and men and women and like it. Oh. I've n- I don't remember a time when that wasn't a present in my mind. I didn't have like a moment in my teenhood or anything or my young adulthood where I recognized, oh my god, I think I'm, I think I'm attracted to this person and it's it's not a dude. So I think that that means like that never. It never was a part of my process as a person. Wow. Um, my first kiss was, a, you know, with my little neighbor girl. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just don't... I never had a coming out to myself, even. Uh, when it started being questioned from from others, I think, was when it was like, oh, yeah, I mean, if if bisexuality or queer identifying, like, if if that means what I've already been doing my whole life, then I guess then, yeah. Mm. You know, so my creative process, I've been, I've been a creative since I was a kid and um, been making music for a really long time. And I've always just written about my experience and my experience in my life has always included both. genders. So um, nothing, nothing's changed really. I feel very, very lucky. I feel really privileged that my experience hasn't needed to include that. I think that that can be traumatizing and really difficult and can feel really limiting. And I'm, I'm really lucky. I never, I never had that experience. I think it has a lot to do with my presentation. Mm -hmm. I think I present so so hetero passing like you just wouldn't even question it and I don't I don't know what it's like to have to rectify the way that I look making people question who I'm into interesting wow I don't think of I feel like everyone I know has had some like major point of like Oh my God, like light bulb moment or like putting the pieces together. So it's really interesting to hear like such a different experience. I wonder if, you know, I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled my whole life. Oh, wow. I went to a a performing arts high school for four years, but it wasn't, it was not school. There were like six other kids in my class. Mm -hmm. And up until then, 
my only social interactions were my extracurriculars. So like I played soccer mm-hmm. and I did gymnastics as a kid and, you know, I like swimming lessons, chess lessons. Like my mom was really good at the extracurricular thing mm-hmm. despite our, I think because of our being homeschooled, mm-hmm. but my reality was just really different than most normal kids. It wasn't, it wasn't weird to me, but I realized now that the upbringing was, was definitely strange. Like I didn't have social pressure, peer pressure. There wasn't any example of, you know, Oh, you know, you gotta kiss a boy. Let's like practice making out. Like I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have any of that. Like my best friends were my siblings. So I think because of my upbringing, it just never had to be a question. Wow. Really, really lucky for that. Yeah, that's incredible shit. <laughs> I'm happy for you. That's I, mean, amazing. I mean, hopefully, it be, I feel like that's how, like, in my head, how things will be in the future when there's, like, accepting, loving energy for everybody instead of this, like, now you got to pick one. Like, what are you? Pick a box. This whole I thing. Don't know. Like, Um, yeah I I think it's really important that I don't try to just because I'm um I identify as queer Mm -hmm. that I don't um like take on the role of someone who's been oppressed by my sexuality Mm -hmm. because while I have certainly faced oppression I'm a I'm a woman Mm -hmm. you know so I have experienced what that is. Yeah. But in terms of my queer identity, I think it's really important for me to recognize the position of privilege that I've been in for my entire life, mm-hmm. which is that I've I've never had to answer to someone or been made to feel like I don't belong or like I'm wrong or that um yeah, that it makes me less of a woman or of a person like that has not been my experience. And I think it's really important that whenever talking about queerness, I don't adopt oppression because it's just not what my experience has been. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't be, but it's important for me to recognize that the experience that I've had is very singular and it has not been the experience of most queer people. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's so nice to hear that, though. Like, to hear a story that is not sad or, like, hard or traumatic or, um, I don't know, just, like, I, I feel like secondhand, like, phantom piece. From That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I think that the hope, in doing things like this, in talking about queerness, in representing queerness, that that to to normalize something means covering all bases, all experiences. And mm-hmm. I want this to be the normal experience for everyone, that there doesn't have to be some traumatic coming out, that you don't have to live your life in fear, that you don't have to feel like people are not going to accept you, that it's just you can just be and and it's all good. <laughs> wow. That's fire. I really do hope that like 
some, I feel like so many people are so scared of, um, of accepting their identity or of coming out or sharing and they're scared of, you know, the majority of traumatic things that could happen, but also there's like, things could just be chill. Things could just be normal. Like I was watching, have you watched Shit's Creek? Oh my God. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I'm all caught up. Yeah. Okay. I I just started watching it like in quarantine. We just like binged through it. And I was like, it's so what they're not making a whole traumatic storyline it's just no big deal there's oh, yeah. all these queer stories going on and it's just no big deal yeah. like beautiful it's such a good show too it's so fucking funny oh my god uh, i like deep belly laugh at that show i feel like you just reminded me of that because i i binged it as soon as it was available like i was on the train mm-hmm. when it started so i feel like it's time for me to revisit Thanks for reminding me. Like, I was so bummed when it, when I hit the last episode, I was like, wait. And then two weeks went by and I was like, I need to start rewatching. They just like fly by. Oh, such a good show. Truly. It's like the perfect little, perfect little bit. My next question was something, but I feel like, you know, this kind of all falls falls into it already, but do you feel like hearing music with lyrics of same sex um, love would help? with finding yourself as a kid but you already found yourself as a kid so you know I know though I will say like representation is everything it's so important and if I had heard um women singing about women Mm -hmm. when I was a kid I think I would have been asking more questions and um I think I would have found myself I think it would have opened me up to more, uh, more that the community had to offer at a younger age mm. and um, feeling more understood and less like, I mean, there's so many times in my life that I thought this is a, like, this is going to pass or something like it's not um, something to identify as, or like, maybe I'm just curious. I mean, especially around bisexuality, there's so much stigma so much stigma that like you're just you just want attention or you just want to be a part of the conversation especially now mm-hmm. where it's cool to be queer it's like oh you just want to you just want to have a voice in the room you just want to be included yeah and you know as a kid I think I, I tried to denounce the way that I felt for girls all the time mm-hmm. because there wasn't representation so it's not to say that my experience that I felt that I needed to hide myself or change myself as a result of that mm-hmm. But I think I wouldn't have, um, I think it would have been, it would have been really nice. And I, I love hearing it now because it just feels like validation. It feels like the person that you know that you are um, is, uh, there's like a, there's a space for that. Yeah. So I, I think it's amazing to hear it now. And um, yeah, I think we both recognize like how important it is to feel like you're being represented. Yeah, just to feel seen and understood. It's like, it's so weird too. Like I'll have music on in the background or, and I'll just like, sometimes I just go through whatever Spotify or Apple and I'll have things on shuffle or whatever, just trying to find new stuff and have new songs pop up that I haven't listened to a million times. And I could literally be in the other room, not even paying attention, stuff's on the ba- in the background. And I'll like catch it so quick of a girl singing about another girl. And I'm like, <gasps> wait what it's like it it's so clear and sets off such an alarm and we don't even realize when we're not like obviously when we're actively listening to something we're gonna be 
you know, paying more attention to lyrics, but um, even when we're not, we're still absorbing so much information and we're still processing it subconsciously. And to just be like, wait a second, was, was that about me? Or like, was that, you know, just feeling that representation and that acknowledgement and that um, just feeling like your identity is seen and represented in any way, even if it's just one, two and a half minute song, like totally, totally such a different, and I like, I've been out for 15 years. Like this is old fucking news for me. And I still get really like, wait, what? (laughs) So I can only imagine for someone who doesn't know or like, doesn't, isn't okay with or hasn't explored or whatever to be like wait because oh that's okay like oh whoa I, or I felt that and like I, oh my god putting all the pieces together like that's just I think it's great so important. not only that but like for the people who aren't queer who don't identify that way or like are trying to come to terms with you know their kid being queer or their friends or the person they thought they were in love with or what like whatever it is to hear like oh shit like oh this is real this is real people really feel this like I can have a much easier time like accepting this because it's it's being represented in our culture totally and it's like I feel like we also have such um or for so long so much queer art and um not just art but like I guess identity has been represented in such a like people who don't know about the queer community, they either know like pride parades and people like running around naked with rainbows painted on them or like, I don't know, some real flamboyant characters. Totally. And it's like, I remember when I came out to one of my uncles, he was like totally fine with it. Thank God. I was really scared because he's like Muslim and Persian. I was like, Um, but he's like, yeah, as long as they're not like running down the streets naked and doing a bunch of drugs, it's no big deal. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot. That's what people think like gay culture is. Totally. And and to have like things like this or, you know, just music and just general art representing all of the real other nuances and identities and personalities in the culture and communities so important so chill and I'm like you know a parent can be like oh you can be like you can look like this and you can do these things and you can you know be out but also be like this and that and you know respectable you don't have to be running around naked or whatever they think is gonna happen um normalcy just like this is normal I'm just a normal person and I have these normal feelings that you have as well and I just experience them this way and it's not just like don't make you're the one making it weird. Don't make it weird. Not making it weird. Do you remember your first same-sex crush if you had one as a kid? And like, did you know what it was? Or were you just like, my best friend's so pretty and cool? Or like TV character, like mine was um, Kimberly, the Pink Ranger, the Pink Power Ranger. Oh my God. So cute. I didn't know what it meant, but I was like, oh my God, I love her. Like I can't stop thinking about her. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely my my neighbor, Erica. She was my first crush, and yeah, I mean, we. She lived, she lived in this bright pink house, three houses down from the house I grew up in. I moved when I was ten, but before I moved, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Erica was my best friend. I remember, you know what? I actually remember now that I think is so interesting because at the time I just, I just like right over my head, but her mother was definitely gay. Ooh. Definitely gay. And she didn't have a partner at the time. She was single, but she would date women and have them over sometimes. And I would be there when she had her girlfriend over. And she, she adopted Erica and her sister, Alex, and oh. they were her adopted kids. And I met them when I was, you know, four years old. And by the time I was eight, I was over there like every day. And I love, I like loved Erica. I was like, I love you. But, um, <laughs> You know, it was when you're eight years old, it's like you, you haven't developed any sense of sexuality yet. I don't think that's my take was that not like consciously, not consciously. Yeah. I wasn't thinking like, am I into her? You know, I was fucking eight, but I just knew that like, I wanted to kiss her so bad. And I thought about her all the time and I missed her when I wasn't with her. So I knew like, I really, like, I felt so strongly for her. And that was my first kiss. We pulled, um we pulled the baby pool over our heads and kissed under the baby pool. Oh my God. I will, I will never forget moments with this person that, I mean, I don't remember shit else about being like an eight year old, but I just have these vivid memories uh-huh. with this girl, Erica. Yeah. It was my first crush like ever. So I wonder if that had something to do with just the normalcy of it all, like throughout my life. Wow. Shout out to Erica. Miss you, girl. <laughs> You're not still in touch with her, are you? That would be amazing if you were. No. I, you know, as people do, like, I moved when I was 10. We fell out of touch. I have no idea what she's doing now. But, yeah, and I hope, I hope, I hope you're good, Erica. <laughs> well, she reaches out to you after this. That would be so cute. Oh, my God. Be so sick. Favorite um, modern artist or favorite throwback artist? It doesn't have to be one. I know it's an impossible question, but just like a few that you're loving. Okay. I mean, it changes all the time. I, I get really obsessive about music and artists and I'll be like, I'll be like, you're it for me. And yeah. just dive into their catalog. And it's either a song that turned me on or a project or a video or something. And I'll just need to obsess over that. And that's like the only thing I'm going to listen to for months. Yeah. So my latest like new discovery that shouldn't be a new discovery is Mitski. Do you know Mitski? Uh-uh. So good. So fucking good. She's amazing. Makes amazing records. Really love her. Um, Rosalia, I think, is probably the answer you're going to get, like, the most. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. Yeah. I don't know of many artists that can... She's just... Fuck, her voice is so emotive that, like, I don't know what she's saying, but I know what she means kind of thing. I know... Um one of my friends does her, her like visuals and stage production stuff or like works on part of her team. And it tripped me the fuck out. She told me that her songs are all based off of this one like Spanish book. And I was like, what? Yeah, it's amazing. Brilliant. Like I I heard that her record, I don't know if this is true. I have to fact check this, but I heard that her first album um, was her thesis project for college. It's crazy. She's like next level. That's for sure. Um, I have a fun question. Oh, okay. 
And I really like listening to people's answers about this one. But if you could dream up your ideal creation zone, what would it look like? No limitations on anything. Physics, location, electricity. You could literally be like in the ocean and space, like whatever. Amazing question. Um, well, shit. I mean, I've always wondered like what, what a cloud feels like. Like, what's it like to be enveloped in something like that? But I think probably a more, a, maybe a truer answer to me as a person, like, I've been really obsessed with this record. Uh, it's a Brian Eno album, and it's called The Pearl. Okay. He's this, like, produce, producer, engineer, multi-instrumentalist dude who's played in all these bands. Um, but he makes these soundscape records mm -hmm. using, um, only the guitar and basically creating, um, weird soundscape music, totally instrumental, really like it's strange shit, but it's, it's amazing for like meditating to, or just like falling asleep to, or like, I, I particularly lo love it for like travel, flying. If you're like on a packed bus, you know, on tour or whatever it is. But this album called the Pearl is his interpretation of what it would feel like to live underwater. Oh, wow. And it's, it's beautiful. It really feels like you're submerged in something and it, it makes me feel when I'm meditating to it or when I'm like falling asleep to it, I do this often. Mm -hmm. Like I'm literally in, in the, in the ocean underwater. And that environment is so peaceful and calming to me that I feel like the best places for, for me to create things are when I'm at my most at peace, my most comfortable um, especially like the writing process, the very, the conception of something, the very beginning of something, the seed of an idea, mm. those always come to me when I'm at my most still and most present with myself. So I feel like if I could, if I could make a record completely underwater, I think that that would be kind of amazing. And yeah, the, this record, I would totally suggest it, especially for like right now. Since I, we're I love that kind of stuff. So please. I feel like you, I feel like you would really like it. He made a couple, he made another one called Apollo, which is like, um, what he imagines it would sound like in space. Oh, wow. Those sort of the two extremes, but they're brilliant records. Um, that's a fun question. I actually thought of that because, um, Whenever I like, I, you know, I've got my self doubts and insecurities, whatever. And it's, I noticed it was really helpful for me to do a certain type of um, visualization meditation before I started just working on music. And I would go through this whole process where I'm like meditating and I have a very specific meadow that I like go to in my head. And then um, I walk through this door and there's a bunch of TVs on the walls in this room. And it's all me like talking shit to myself. And I go and I turn off each one, turn off all the fucking TVs. And then another door shows up and I go in there and it's this like big glass, like glowing gold bubble 
back in the meadow and it's got all of my like all of my equipment and things and I can see like the meadow and it's kind of like light rainy and it's just like it's such a feeling of warmth and safety and comfort and ease and um I was like shit I wonder like what other people have yeah their version of that yeah like what people's version of that would be because I feel like we like normal studios to me are so uninspiring like it's dark there's no windows it's just like such a cave and I mean maybe to some people a cave is comforting and creative like that's great but um yeah people when they actually have a good think about that it's very interesting where our heads go to feel safe in creation I love the um I love your turning off your own um self shit talk that seems like such a positive meditative process to just literally go around to each individual voice telling you that you're a piece of shit and and just silencing it but like it sounds like what you're envisioning isn't aggressive it's just a simple one touch system of like just gonna turn you off yeah just gonna turn you off so that I can get into my space yeah I think that visualization I mean we know how important it is visual elements of of what we do they're they're so that shit is becomes ingrained and I think that we don't use visualization maybe enough mm-hmm. or consider it enough because we're making music which is something you you know you don't experience that way right but um but you really do don't you really I mean it's really powerful I think everything kind of ties together and um even if we're just thinking about sounds like sounds look and taste and feel different ways. So why wouldn't we explore that and use our other senses to manipulate and um, improve or whatever we need to, or inspire. Why not use it? Yeah, totally. I love that question. I've never been asked something like that before. Oh, fine. Good. I was like, you always get asked the same fucking questions in little interviews. And I'm like, God, those are so boring. Just like, <laughs> you just read my last one. Literally just like Google. Questions. I actually have such an aversion to giving the same answer to the same question. Yeah. Like I realize that it's not important. Like it's not a big deal to be like, Oh, if you're going to ask me the same question, I have that, you know, I have an answer for that. But my just, my personality is like, I need to come up with something different, even if it's just a different way of explaining it. Mm -hmm. Even if it just like presents some kind of challenge to me to like think outside of what my standard answer might be. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think a lot of the reason I'm sure that artists do not do interviews is for fear of just the monotony of answering the same damn question, especially when it comes to, you know, the subject matter that you've built this thing around. Mm-hmm. Those questions are like incessant. They're like in basically every interview. I'm sure you've experienced this through the entire, your entire career. Yeah. <laughs> but just this, um, yeah. Especially when you, when you're doing something for a, a queer specific publication. Yeah. It's, it's gets kind of echo chambery. Yeah. And you find that 
it's not really doing the thing that I think it hopes to do, which is to educate and normalize and um, create space. But it ends up just sort of like speaking to other queer people about what it is to be queer, people who already understand and know and get it. Like they don't need the education. They don't need to, they don't need that same answer to that same question. Yeah, They just want to see like, and hear people that they fuck with talk about whatever yeah and to just remember that like queer art is just art yeah it's just it's it's not it's not a gay artist it's just an artist Mm. like that you're not you know bisexual recording art like that's not a I just am I just make music yeah it's so nice when that's not at the forefront of the conversation but that there is still spaces being created. Yeah. I think that what you're doing is super important. Thank you. I think it's just like having a balance um, because it was, it was interesting. My dad was um, wanting to show something to one of his colleagues or whatever, like, Oh, look what my daughter does. And he like went to Google me. And I think he put in my, um, I forget if he put in my real name instead of like my artist name. And a lot of like personal stuff about my life came up and almost all of it was like who I was dating or like, you know, lesbian this, lesbian that, you this. And that's like, he was like, you know, people should be talking about your work. Like people should be talking about what you do. And it seems like all of it is about your personal life. And I was like, well, you looked at my personal name. So that's why that happened. But still, I was really aware of that because I'm like, okay this is definitely part of my identity. I feel like it's important to give it a space and talk about it because I know it does help people to just have that representation, but also not have it be the thing, you know, like when every headline or conversation or introduction leads with like queer, blah, blah, like, no, it's just a, an artist that happens to be, you know, queer or a person of color or you know this or that like whatever the hell you want it's just it's just part of it right but I think conversations like this and man it's it's something that at the same time that you don't want to be a part of because you know that there's stigma and there's this obsession with knowing people's personal lives that you really have no business knowing or or fixating on someone's personal life instead of their work like all of these negative connotations of like existing as a public queer person or engaging with public queer platforms or just platforms in general Mm -hmm. doing interviews where you're being asked and not and not insisting that you don't answer the question like engaging in these things you know that like at the same time that you're like I don't fucking want to do this yeah, it is still so important because we're still so far from getting to the point where no one gives a shit. Yeah. And I think the only way to get to a point where no one gives a shit is to just beat that shit, to normalize it. Let's have as many queer stories as we do heteronormative stories. Let's just like make that happen. And we're just existing at a time when like the shifts are taking place. And the tide is rising in the other direction and it's beautiful, but you have to be active in that conversation in order for the tide to, sh- in order for that f- to finally 
make its way to the other side where this is normal. No one cares. It doesn't matter. I, you know, we're queer culture, queer identity has been oppressed for so long. If you want to get to the other side of that, like you got to talk about it. So, you know, double-edged sword, but I'm looking forward to, to a time when it's so irrelevant to people that it would be in bad taste to question who someone is into. Yeah. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. Um, what else do we need to do? Oh, we need to take a picture. Okay. One, two, three. All right. Well, have a good night and say hi to all your kittens. And Same to you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to She, Her, They. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube for video from this episode. Join us at She, Her, They on Instagram. And if you want to give me a lurk, you can find me across all social media at I am Kittens. Yes, that's like baby cats with an S at the end. We'll catch you next time.